and welcome back to another exciting episode of DSLR Film New Podcast, Planet Mitch. Mitch from Planet 5D. Man, I am just not getting that right today. How are you doing, man? Thanks for joining me. I'm DJ, by the way. I am Planet Mitch from Planet 5D. Planet 5D. With my sound effects in the background that aren't working. <laughs> Planet 5D. Planet Mitch. What are you up to, man? How, I, I haven't uh, talked to you in two weeks, right? Yeah, I missed you last week. Oh, you know, coming. I had a day off. I took the whole day off, did absolutely nothing because we didn't have a show. <laughs> <laughs> Laid by the pool here in Missouri in the snow. We had snow last week, but anyway. You have a pool? No. Oh, man. Good, because those are hard to clean. All right. So, I had a pool when I was a kid in high school or Florida, and it was a pain in the butt. But anyway... On my end, just uh, actually, you may have noticed that there are a few articles going up on DSLRFilmNoob.com. That's because I finally got everything in the house done, moved in completely, and now I actually have a little bit of free time to write. So you may be seeing a few more of those coming up uh, every week, hopefully, knock on this table right here that is not made out of wood. But I digress. I think we've got a lot of news to talk about today, so I think it's probably... Time for the news. Time for the news. First thing on the list here is actually a camera. Yes, that's right, folks. Another camera announced. And I would love to say that this is an exciting camera, but uh, I'm going to instead say that it's uh, an interesting addition. And the, what, eighth, ninth in the line of these cameras? Seventh? I don't Canon has released so many. <laughs> Uh, meet the 80D. This is the latest in the Canon's above Rebel but uh, below their full frame sensor camera line. Offers a flip out screen and, of course, the always wanted, always requested, never gotten headphone jack. <laughs> Mitch, now that's tell, an upgrade. tell me a little bit about this camera. It's awesome. It's the most amazing camera on the planet, and everybody should go out and use DJ's link and buy one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Um, well, the, th the first thing that annoys me slash entertains me is that it's the Canon 80D, right? Yes. So did I say 80D, or did I say D -D -D. Alpha Dog Dog? ADD, which is, uh, you know, medical condition, so... Every time I hear it now, all I hear is alpha dog dog instead of eight zero dog. But anyway, it's, it's entertainment, right? I wish, and I was talking to my daughter about this this morning, and she's like, why didn't they just call it Sam or Paul or Joanne or something? Because, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, it's it's driven me crazy for a while, so... The 6D, are you talking about the 6D or the okay. 60D? Yeah. You know? I mean, they're, they're very similar. 7D, 7D, are very similar sounding. And you have to kind of really enunciate and be clear. And now you've got that. We don't have an 8D yet, do we? <gasps> no, but I'm sure they'll slide one in there somewhere. Maybe, maybe there's something coming. No, I don't know. Well, let's At run down this, the specs right. on this guy because... Uh, you know, the naming Canon has always been bad. One more 10 added to this, and we've gone back to the Nikon D90, you know, so it, <laughs> extra confusing. Oh, gosh, I hadn't even thought about that. We're uh, rolling into a 24.2 megapixel sensor. This is APS-C, of course, so crop 1.6. You've got the new dual pixel AF system in this, 7 frames per second, so getting close to the original 7 D, not 70D, and uh, this also offers up a few other interesting things. 45 points of AF on this guy. The AF pattern looks to be very similar to what you see on the 5D Mark III. It also has an extended ISO range, although I doubt that's going to be much better considering this is pushing a 24 megapixel sensor instead of the traditional 18 megapixel sensor we've seen in the past. And they've added time-lapse feature, Near-field communication, Wi-Fi, headphone jack, and creative filters. Oh, and don't forget HDR if you really want to get crazy with things. At a price of $1,200. Now, that is a few new things, but basically, to me, and maybe I'm wrong, Mitch, it feels like they've cobbled together 
all of the things that have been sprinkled across the canon line for quite some time into one final amalgamation without 4K, of course. Final amalgamation? No, it's not the final one. It's this it's way crazy, it is crazy, right? Yeah, uh, it's a decent camera, and I I go back and I'll say this yet again. Canon is focusing their DSLRs on photographers. And this has some great video features in it. But it's very clear that they are focusing this on photographers who want to shoot video. And if you want to shoot video, they have a whole nother section of cameras for you called the EOS Cinema line. And so, you know, they, they know that there are thousands upon thousands of people shooting 4K. But you know what? They don't care. This is not a camera for them. This is not what cameras aiming their camera their this at. They're, you know, if you want to shoot 4K and only spend a thousand dollars, then go buy the Sony A6300 that just came out, or any of the Sony things or Panasonic. Canon's basically saying you want 4K, you're going to have to pay for it. Now with this camera, they have added. Some of the video features, so we've, we've see that in-video mode AF, the dual-pixel AF system that was premiered in the C100 and C300 and so on. Uh, now, also, they've released accessor- or accessories. Accessor- they, they've released yeah. other products that go along with this to make it more of a video tool, and that includes... A, a microphone. <laughs> Ooh, fancy. Uh, and of course, this is kind of a weird one, actually. This zoom, this uh, zoom rocker style attachment for a lens. Let's see, what lens is this? This is the EFS 18 to 135, f3.5 to 5.6. That combination of zoom rocker and lens will set you back about $750. Now, a power zoom is something that video professionals like to have on their cameras, but that isn't a spectacular lens. It's the only one compatible with the PZ-E1. What do you think about this weird (laughs) zoom rocker lens that Canon has thrown out with this particular camera? Let me ask you a question, DJ, because you're my expert. How often do you as a filmmaker do a power zoom? Uh, oh, that is awful. You, you do it very rarely unless you are trying to achieve a very specific, uh, almost full house, uh, 80s sitcom <laughs> style, like, oh no face. Uh, there are some exceptions, of course. Um, of occasionally course. I'll do a Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock <laughs> zoom, uh, which is where you actually zoom in while uh, pulling the camera back, and that what that does is it changes the the back plane of the camera and the focus on the subject, so that it feels like the subject is being isolated from the background. But I tend to do that by hand or with a follow focus system. I do not zoom in like this almost ever. Maybe if you're you know if you're working in a studio and you're doing the prices right every single day. And you, you've got some sort of thing where, like, you have to pick out a studio audience member or something like that. Or news. I suppose if you're doing news, a Zoom rocker could be uh, very handy. But for most uh, filmmakers, it's not a huge thing. And that's my opinion, personally. Uh, Devin sure. would argue with me. He loves having a Zoom rocker on his camera. So Does he? Uh, yes. Wow, cool. he, uh, He's the one, huh? Yeah. If you're in, <laughs> if you, if you're in the news gathering business, a Zoom rocker is very convenient. But sure. this is an F3.5 to 5.6, so you're going to get darkening as you zoom in. It is a good range, uh, 18 to 135, but it's kind of a cheesy-looking lens, too. It, plasticky looking and uh you know that weird electronic socket on the bottom i don't know uh, are you gonna spend 750 on this no well n- no number one i don't need it uh number two uh i it, this is again a consumer thing right this is in my mind aimed at consumers i mean if you watch the videos the promo video for it there's, you know, the family on the beach, you know, they're taking pictures. And, and uh, when I had my camcorder, which is back there in the corner, uh, I used to use that power zoom. Of course I did. But, you know, most people aren't using that kind of thing. Most professionals aren't. 
Uh, I still, before before we jump along, I, I do want to talk about that microphone because I found a couple of things interesting. Okay. Lay it on Number me, one, man. it's cheap, right? It's 250 bucks. Is that cheap, though? I mean, well, what, what's a Rode VideoMic Pro run right now? 350 350 okay. Right? So it's, it's a little bit less expensive. Uh, it also has one of those button batteries as opposed to a 9-volt battery in it. Now, I asked Rode at one point, I said, well, you know, couldn't I just use double A's? Why don't you, why are you guys putting these stinking nine volts? Because everything else I own is, you know, double A or triple A or, you know, batteries. And I have a bunch of rechargeables. And they told me this, well, you know, microphones require a good amount of power. And if you underpower them, then you're not going to get good quality. Now, that's Rode's opinion, of course. Now, I don't. I'm not a microphone There's actually expert. some truth to that. Um, and I knew you would know, of course. But so there's a little tiny one of those button batteries in here. So you don't have to change batteries very often. It's supposed to last forever. The other thing that, it, and I didn't do any looking on the looking research on this. Be, I was just kind of fascinated because uh, this is not only a little mini uh, uh, boom mic. It also does stereo. If yes. you switch, now, uh, how many microphones do you know that are both dual uh, shotgun and stereo? Uh, Asden actually has a very interesting microphone that has a built-in single stereo pattern mic that's uh, curved around the front and top, and then another microphone underneath of that that is a single mono mic that points directly forward. And uh, it is actually priced in the $200 range. So more affordable than this. Also, looking on Amazon right now, just comparing these two, uh, there's a few things I noticed about this mic, and while we're talking about it, I want to point those out. Uh, basically, this mic has a, an audio range of 50 to 16 kilohertz. The Zoom, or the uh, Rode VideoMic Pro, not a sponsor of my site, by, but it's... <laughs> Uh, about a $60 cheaper than oh. the entry price of the Canon microphone. It has a built-in shock mount, which is different. The frequency range on this, the response range is up to 20 megahertz. And if you're not familiar with Nyquist theorem, uh, you should definitely go read up on that. Uh, the lower your sampling frequency and the, the faster it rolls off. And so you can get degradation in what would be audible frequencies. So if it rolls off at 16 uh, kilohertz, then you are going to possibly lose, I think that would make it like eight, eight and above roughly, nine and above, something like that. Someone could check my math on this, but <laughs> the higher the frequency response range, the better off you are. So uh, I don't know. It seems expensive to me, actually. That's, that was the first thing that hit me is, is it's kind of expensive. The stereo part... How often do you want a stereo pickup pattern on your camera, especially a camera-mounted mic? I mean, I stand behind the camera, and I make a little bit of noise. I'm going to put that out there, you know? Like, I might move or shuffle or something like that. And if it's picking up a stereo pattern, it's going to pick me up behind the camera because usually when you're in a stereo pattern, you have trouble with rear rejection. And the reason for that is because your pattern is two globes on either side, and those globes extend out both directions whereas if you have a hypercarderoid pattern it points directly forward mono mic better than stereo mic unless you're catching birds chirping or trying to pick up some sort of weird pattern now sorry mitch i didn't mean to roll off topic but uh what do you what do you now that i've brought all those things to the light what do you think about the canon p whatever ez one Oh, well, that's that's the Zoom Rocker, and the microphone is the DEM1 or something weird. <laughs> um, well, see, and I have to apologize because I still have in my head that the Rode microphones are more expensive than that. So that's I'm glad you looked that up while I was talking because now I look really bad. I'm sorry, um, Mitch. No, 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 no. That's fine. Uh, is, do I need that microphone? No. Uh, I tend to think that. And and of course we haven't physically touched it. And I'm I'm really glad you brought up that thing about the megahertz uh, in the high end range because I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm 58 years old and I know I don't hear anything above what 12,000 or whatever. And so I didn't 
didn't know that you've taught me something new about microphones that I didn't know before. It's always great talking to you. If you ever grab any microphone, they will usually have what looks like a linear scale graph. Right. And it'll show you frequency response ranges uh, and the response that the mic is capable of receiving in, in terms of decibel levels for the microphone. And the range for the Rode VideoMic Pro, which, again, not a sponsor of my site, but I use them regularly, good mics, they, uh, they keep strong all the way across the vocal range all the way up to the musical range, which, you know, that's getting into higher frequencies. You generally speak between, you know, 3K, 2K-ish, 4K if you're a higher-pitched uh, female vo- vocal, and then uh, you get a few touches of, like, 80 and 90 and 100 hertz, which are the lower frequency bases from men with deeper chests and so on. So that range you want fairly solid with a little bit of roll-off towards the 80 hertz range, and then you want good flat response with maybe a little bit of boost in a few points, depending on what you're recording. But at 6K or 16K, you're going to roll off very fast, so any of that high-frequency response is, is gone. Sad. Really sad. Huh. Yeah, it is sad. So the video rocker is awesome if you really want that. The brand-new Canon 80D is going to sell a lot to photographers because it has more of the pro video features minus 4K. Um, and somebody asked me the other day, and I have not yet looked up this, looked up, good Lord, DJ, what is happening to us today? I know, we're both tongue-tied as all get out. I I haven't seen anything about this having clean HDMI out, Um, so that, I apologize, I do not know the answer, because that's been asked to me, and I should know that. I do think the dual pixel autofocus in this, the demos that they show, are fairly, fairly cool. Now, it does not have the features in the dual, autofocus, dual pixel autofocus that the 1DX has where you can specify how fast if something comes into frame, uh, whether or not the camera picks that up and stuff that was pretty fancy. That's obviously going to stay up in the power, pro, <laughs> the power, the pro line like the 1DX. And something else that we haven't mentioned, by the way, is that new lens... And I'm gonna I'm gonna really screw this up because I think they've they've got uh, it's a new. Are you talking about the nano? The nano USM? image stabilization thing, yes. So and I don't know enough about that to really talk about it, but it's new in this <laughs> lens. So what they're doing in the camera is they're combining the use of USM, which is an ultrasonic motor, and STM, which is a stepper style motor for both the AF system controls and for the spinning mechanism that's being used for image stabilization. So as opposed to taking the approach of the five-axis image stabilization that you're seeing in other lenses or other camera bodies, excuse me, where they move the sensor around, uh, Canon is still focused on lens itself. The idea behind this is that you're getting the benefit of the control precision of an STM-style drive motor and you're getting the speed of a USM-style motor combined together, and you don't have to make the lens as bulky in order to accommodate the torque requirements from those motors. Does that make sense? Yes. And I, gosh, I bless your little heart. You know all that stuff. Very, very cool. Now, one other thing I wanted to point out, and actually this is something that does make the ADD really exciting. And before we move on, uh, the... The new AF sensor system in this camera, here is a picture of the 5D Mark III. And while they don't quite label them the same, it looks as though Canon has basically stuck that AF system into this camera body, which means we're going to probably see a new AF system in the next 5D Mark IV And I will tell you that going from the 19-point cross-type AF system to the AF system that's used in the 5D Mark III, it's a fairly substantial step up. Uh, Definitely really good AF in the 5D Mark III system. And the 19-points was originally debuted in the 7D line. And it is, it's good. It was way better than the, like, the nine-point AF system with, like, two or three cross-types 
before, but uh, this is a substantial upgrade in terms of autofocus. So yes. I that part is exciting. And the price, 1200 bucks, not bad. Flip-out screen. Mitch loves the flip-out screen. And, and it's touch. They do allow Wi-Fi control of the Zoom rocker uh, via Canon's whatever app, uh, motion grab app, happy grab app, whatever they call it. <laughs> that, that thing does allow you to control the Zoom Rocker if you have the $750 Zoom Rocker accessory plus only lens that it works with. Now, oh. now, now, time out, time out. It's not a $750. No, the lens is $600, but if you want right. the Zoom Rocker controller, the entire yeah. kit. Is... I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. Awesome <laughs> camera. Um, for, for the prosumer, this is a great camera and they're going to sell a lot of them, especially the photographers. Yeah. And now you will have everything that magic lantern provided you in a T2I minus the autofocus, uh, from <laughs> what, eight years ago, seven years ago. Well, well, but no, you don't get zebras or focus With peaking. Magic or... lantern provided focus peaking zebras <laughs> provided headphone monitoring. Which yes. was uh, in the T2i. I mean, how many yeah. eyes back was, was that ago? They're up yeah. to oh, Canon. You're killing me, buddy. All right. <laughs> Moving on to the next thing on the line. This is a camera brand that I used as a child. Uh, Pentax K1000, if you're not familiar with that. That was a great, uh, very robust, solid film camera. I stress film there. Uh, but Pentax hasn't really been on my radar for many uh, years now, but <laughs> apparently they are back on the radar with this, the Pentax K-1 camera. Woo-hoo! This is a 36.4 megapixel full-frame CMOS sensor. The sensor is, of course, the same sensor used in the Sony A7R, which is now superseded by the A7R Mark II. And it does have five-axis image, five image stabilization, which is nice. It has some pro video features. It has a 1080p 60 frames per second, which, by the way, I forgot to mention, the 80D also has 60 frames per second now. Woohoo! Uh, yeah! So slow-mo people, you get a little more slow-mo. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, this camera looks like your regular affair. Built-in GPS, some weird stuff with the... Uh, lent, or with the uh, the back screen. Did you see that strange? Oh yeah, strange like rack and pinion style twisty yeah. thing there. Now, Mitch, weigh in on this camera. Tell me <laughs> what you think about the Pentax K one. Well, I was I was very impressed. Uh, this will be the next camera that I buy. <clears throat> <No>. <laughs> uh, um, sarcasm aside. Uh, I thought it was very funny because one of the articles that I was reading about the K1 when it was announced said the two people that buy can- uh, Pentax will be very excited by this. I'm like, <laughs> DJ's going to spit drink all over the screen. Two people that buy oh. Pentax are going to be excited by this. Now, this is really awesome because this is their very first full-frame sensor, which is a big deal for Pentax fans. Now, All three of them. Pentax does have some medium format cameras that are fairly sure. well loved. And this, I think maybe they're targeting this as a daughter camera to those people? Question mark? <laughs> it could be. I mean, I don't, I, I, and it, this is something else that I was going to look up, but I've been so busy doing other stuff I haven't. What, what mount did they have? I mean, we are always talking about the Sony E mount and the A mount and the Canon. What do they call this? <laughs> you got me, man. What? I, I don't. I got, I've stumped DJ in terms oh, of camera stuff. Uh. Yeah, I, you know when I read everything about this camera, it kind of just flew by me fast. Uh, it's yeah. so the idea here is they have a, a medium format camera for doing high resolution shots of, of you know uh, advertisements, large spreads. You know if you're doing a full wall, something like that. The lens format that's used in that is capable and compatible with this camera, but I have no idea what that lens format is. It's it's called the K-mount. Oh, wow. Clever. <laughs> so we have a K camera with a K-mount lens. Thank you, Mitch. Yay. That, well, thank you, Wikipedia. Also, that's... from what I understand, this camera's mount is backwards compatible with the entire history of... Pentax camera mount lenses. So 
you have any old school lenses out there, you can put them on this body and use them. And there are a bunch of really good Pentax lenses available uh, from the K1000 that I used to use a long time ago. Uh, but this camera, it, it doesn't doesn't offer anything that's very exciting other than the fact that it's a daughter unit to their bigger camera. And it's taken so long for them to get into the game that everybody has pretty much saturated the full-frame market. Where is Pentax planning on making inroads with this? Well, I think it's uh, just something to make people who are Pentax fanatics happy. Have you ever met a Pentax fanatic? Uh, no. But again, let's go back to what I keep preaching that people forget is that the money's in the lenses. And I, I've got an article that I'm working on right now that uh, talks about camera sales. And body sales, by the way, went down in 2015, just like everything else did. And I won't, I won't dive deeply into this, but the key thing is that lens sales are still well above where they were, say, five, uh, eight or ten years ago, and that's where the money is. So if you're a person, if you're Pentax, and you want to sell lenses, then you make a new body, and for those people that are Pentax owners that have Pentax lenses, that Kmart lenses, then Kmart, Kmart lenses, um, then, then you're excited about this, and you will probably buy it. It's not... It's not meant to be a huge moneymaker for Pentax. It's to sell more lenses. Let's talk about the money for a second. The price on this is actually fairly affordable. You're looking at about, what, $1,800 uh, for yeah. this full-frame body? It does have a superior AF system compared to something like the Canon 6D. And the Sony sensor, the 36-megapixel sensor they're using in this, is a very good sensor. Uh, as far as image resolution goes... As far as AF goes, this does have a lot to offer. So I think you're right, Mitch. If you do have a ton of Pentax glass laying around or access to Pentax glass, I mean, $1,700 isn't bad for a full-frame body these days. And, and let's not forget, since you mentioned that it is the Sony A7R sensor, uh, you've got those high ISO ranges. Now, it's not quite as good as the A7S, but it's pretty darn close, right? Uh, yeah, you can push into the 12,800 range without much issue. I, I would put the A7R sensor in more of the 5D Mark III range of low-light performance. The A7S with its, uh, I believe it's a 12-megapixel sensor. Someone will probably write in and tell me that I'm incorrect in that. But uh, it uh, that's the one that really shines in low-light. Right. Uh, and the other thing, uh, the other thing about this Pentax, it was the 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 LCD, and that it slayed me because one of the videos, and there were when the when the ADD was announced on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever that was Wednesday, there were like fifty videos that suddenly appeared on YouTube because you can do a search on YouTube in the last hour, right, for new stuff. Bunches of videos popped in there, and everybody had their videos ready. Go search on Pentax K1, and I found three. <laughs> uh, so, and and they were, you know, guys like me <laughs> who are just like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, but one of the guys was like, had his hands on this K1 at some camera announcement, and he's like, oh, this. This LCD feels really robust, and I I can see that this is not going to ever break. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I beg to differ. That thing looks really goofy, kind of goofy, and I can imagine that sucker breaking pretty easily. Yeah, it's a if you're a not moving part. If you're not watching the video, it's got four little rack and pinion sliders that attach to the back of the screen with a little tether that brings the data cable into the bottom of the screen itself. And you're able to twist and sort of bend it, imagining four pins coming out and into a smaller center in that sort of fashion. It is strange, it is weird, and it doesn't look nearly as convenient as some of the British reviewers were pointing out it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, moving All on right. down the line. Hey. 
Hey, hey actually, what? you know what can I want to talk we? about. I want to talk I, about I, the cinema. Or the would you summit. like to talk about? No. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure because you have it at the top of the show notes and then we haven't talked about it yet. But so folks, is, this is going to be cool. So, folks, I want to talk about this for a second. Uh, Cine, uh, the Cinema Summit, a Cine Summit, is 10 directors, and these directors are sharing experiences, uh, their work with you. Uh, this is a free course. It is March 1st and 2nd, and there's links in the show notes. It's dslr.com slash Summit, and you can go check that out. Uh, they are putting together a great product. Time it's out. I'm sorry, DJ. I'm failing it's at this just, today. It's one of those shows. What did you say the link was? It's, did uh, you hear what you said? Uh, no, I did not hear what I What you, did I say? You said DSLR.com. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> I just can't you do You forgot your own website. <laughs> it's com slash Summit. It is early in the morning. I've only drank one cup of coffee. Uh, there are <laughs> going to be five different directors each day uh that's march 1st and march 2nd free to watch uh they have their entire presentation looking at about 15 hours worth of information and life experiences from some directors that are out in the field working this is a great opportunity for you to find out more about how the back end of some of these productions work and learn from some of the best on the market again that's dslrfilmnoob.com slash cine summit so go check that out today there's a link in the show notes mitch are you excited about that are you gonna show up march 1st and 2nd to watch that i am going to watch pieces of it uh i do not have the time to dedicate my entire day but i excuse me i do know aviv who is putting that on uh Awesome guy. He this is the fifth Cine Summit that he's done. Uh, he has done prior ones based on uh, cinematographers and random groups of people. When he when we first started, it wasn't necessarily focused on a specific topic, uh, but last year's was on on um, cinematographers. And if you go to the thing and register the link that dslrfilmnoob.com slash Cine Summit that uh, DJ posted, uh, you can actually, and once you register, you will be offered the uh, opportunity to purchase the Cine Summit if you aren't able to attend on March 1st and 2nd, because they will disappear at the end of the day. Uh, But you can also purchase all of the previous Cine Summits, and there's some amazing material in there that if you want to look at that, uh, just go to that link and check it out. Excellent, excellent. Now, sorry for that uh, collapse in both of our speech today. Man, I don't know what's going on this morning, but uh, I am not on my game. Let's talk about some audio kit here, Mitch. Audio kit is near and dear to my heart. It's near and dear to most filmmakers' heart. And I've got several reviews up, actually. For some reason, they all rolled out simultaneously. Let's first talk about Wi-Fi audio. Uh, Wi-Fi audio is something that we have been seeing most recently with things like the Rode Link, the Asden uh, Pro XD, and now the System 10 from Audio-Technica. All three of these use a Wi-Fi band frequency to transmit audio to your camera from a lav pack as opposed to using the more traditional UHF or VHF frequencies. Uh, These range anywhere from $200 all the way up to $400 $400 with the Rode Video Link being at the top of the pack in terms of price. Now, I just finished testing this out and I plan to do a full review on it, but this is the Audio Technica System 10. It sits at the middle of the pack, roughly $300. And actually, the only reason I have this in my collection is because for some reason it dropped to $200 on Amazon for a couple of hours a month or so ago. And it wow. was an impulse buy. Uh, that's an extremely affordable price, but I wasn't expecting much from it. Now, if you roll through and listen to the audio samples that I've got there in the video portion of the the early preview, it sounds spectacular. And Mitch, I wanted to ask you, because you actually have the Rode Link in your possession, how's the audio with Rode's uh, really decent lav mics with that system, and what would you say it compares to in terms of this uh, System 10? 
Well, sure. Catch me on uh, some technicalities here because I don't have the System 10. The only one that I've ever used is the Rode. So I, I don't know that it's fair for me to kind of make any comparisons. The, I've, I've been very impressed with the Rode. Uh, I can't say that the sound quality is the best I've ever had, but I don't know that it's the worst. So... I'm sorry. I, oh, I that's okay. I, I've yet to get my hands on the Rode Video Link. I'd like to compare these two. I was at first concerned. The lav mic on this is a little weird. It's a, a square instead of a circle, and it has a penetrating hole on the back and the front. But I was pleasantly surprised by the audio quality. Uh, Build-wise, it is very plasticky, and it, at this price range, I suppose that is a given. But... Uh, I'm not happy with the proprietary adapter that they use. And that was one of the things that Rode did right that I, I don't feel like Audio-Technica really did correctly. This four-pin adapter right here is specific to Audio-Technica systems. So you're going to be kind of locked in with your LAV. The LAV does sound really good, though. So look for more on that. I'm Kind of anxious to test that against the Asden Pro XD and the Roadlink. I will try to get both of those in for comparison. Let but, me. Oh, go ahead. Let me ask you a question. Scroll up there a little bit um, and show the lav. Uh, let me, the lav picture. Let me bring that up here. All right, the lav picture is this weird square right there here. So yeah. that's what I'm I, talking about. And the, there's the proprietary adapter as well. Right. Right, and that's why I wanted to show that because it's they're both in the same picture. Isn't it nice that it's flat for a microphone? I mean, wouldn't it be easier to put under clothing and hide as opposed to a round one? Yeah, and the, actually, the concern I had because it's flat is well, and I I just dropped the picture and I want to bring it back up again. Uh, <laughs> if you look right here, you see the audio hole is located here in the center. Uh, right. Traditionally, your lav pickup is up. So ideally, you hang it on your shirt, and it sort of points up towards your face. Right. The, that, that's why the barrel design is nice. This is still, it's as thick as most uh, average round lav mics. So the flatness doesn't really make it huh. better for your shirt mounting or, or what have you, because you still have the clip behind it, and it still sticks right. out just about as much as my ME2s from Sennheiser. Okay. But I was expecting the pickup pattern with that forward backward hole to not be as good as the upward facing microphone it turns out it actually for me anyway and i haven't tested out on a, a female yet but uh my voice sort of resonates in the chest yeah and it gave me a surprisingly a good sounding tone i uh i was i was happy with the audio that i was getting out of this it, it sounds really really decent for a kit lav mic probably better than the me2 that I normally use, and that's like a hundred and fifty dollar lav. So, so let me let me further clarify. You keep saying forward, backward. Is there a hole on both sides? Yes. So that's where it's picking up your chest, right? It's picking up the resonance from your chest on the backside. That's correct. So it is it is realistically very omnidirectional, like like most lav mics, right? Because yeah, it's. I haven't seen a picture pickup pattern diagram of it so i can't say for sure but it, it to me when you see a mic pointing forward and backwards you think it's gonna go right you know, like this but it ends up doing this weird i don't i'm snaking yeah. my hands around for those of you listening <laughs> but but again tip from my understanding almost all lav mics are omnidirectional so it doesn't it shouldn't necessarily matter whether it's pointing up directly to your mouth or not because most uh, not most but a lot of the the sound that we hear comes from the chest right yeah that's true so maybe it's maybe it's okay like that it, it sounds really good it yeah so yes it is definitely okay <laughs> I, I like it surprisingly i'm just i'm just, I'm just asking questions because you know some of us don't know as much as you do dj now and one other thing I want to point out that sucks about this, actually, uh -oh. and I don't want to be all positives because there is a negative. Look at this. A freaking screwdriver inside of the case 
is how you adjust the input audio levels. What? What kind of horse manure is that <laughs> that you have to freaking and I mean it's nice that if they're going to make you do that they include a tool. And I yeah. I will say that I did not have to do any adjustments on mine out of the pack to get it working uh in the range that I wanted it to work in, but that's still rather silly that in the middle of a shoot you're going to grab a screwdriver and twist around a little tiny pot this little guy right here in order to adjust the input output levels of this thing. That's And and you have to take the cover off in order to get to it. That's correct. So yikes. Yeah, and that's where the the Rode Video Link sort of wins out is easy to control features on the back, buttons, uh simple uh-huh. interface. Uh the audio quality on this is definitely very good, but uh that is weird. That that's very strange to me that you would use a screwdriver in yes. order to adjust the levels. Now, the other yeah. thing I want to point out, and Mitch, maybe you can verify for this for me. Does the Rode Video Link have uh, the ability to change out batteries, or is it all internal batteries? No, they're they're just regular double A's. Like okay, you got that's there. that's what I thought. But when I was watch or reading through the stuff, it said non traditional batteries on Amazon. So I, I I thought I knew that it used double A's. But uh, then I saw the USB port on the side and was thinking, man, maybe it has its own internal battery. That's the other failing of this uh, Audio-Technica is that the receiver has a built-in lithium-ion battery. So you cannot uh, change that out. Uh, Mitch is looking currently for... It's back here on the floor, but yeah, I know it's AA batteries. So I yeah, use that's, them all that's what I thought. So that's the other advantage you're going to get with the road is you'll be able to put uh, batteries in both the transmitter and receiver, which is very nice. Now, yeah. while we're on the audio line of questioning and conversation here, let's talk about <laughs> one other audio device. Actually, two other audio devices before we get out of here. Uh, this is right here, the Ceremonic uh, UW Mic 10 wireless uh, UHF system. Now, I just mentioned that I thought $200 was a good price. This is under $300, and it's a full-fledged UHF system. Looks suspiciously similar to Sony's UWP offerings, all the way down to the color, build quality, and make. So I'm wondering if they're getting B-stock cases from uh, Sony production lines. But all-metal build, uh, very nice battery housing, uh, fairly easy to control, and these are priced at $270. Now, the kicker here is that the receiver is capable of receiving two LAV signals simultaneously. Uh, huh. You don't see that in very no. many LAV kits. In fact, the only other one I could find that was under $1,000 that was capable of doing that is from Asden, and it's the uh, 330LT series, <coughs> which is fairly spendy. Uh, it, you know, eight hundred to nine hundred dollars, and it's huge. It's a monster <laughs> compared to this. Uh, I've been testing this out. Really good audio quality. Again, a great lav mic, and it's under three hundred bucks. Now, Mitch, I know you have several different uh, wireless systems in your collection. Uh, does three hundred dollars or two seventy, I believe, is the price, uh, seem attractive to you for a UHF system? Sure. Um, does so you end up having to buy an extra receiver, right? If you want to do two, uh, two lav mics, or I guess you could have one on yourself, right? Yeah, it would Just be really good for an interview type of setup, but 270 is the base price. So that gets you the receiver and the transmitter. And right. then it's another $150 if you want to get a second transmitter. So you could invest up to about $440, $450 in this kit. I think I said two receivers, didn't I? Um, yeah. Mind that, I think that's pretty interesting to be, especially if you're going to do uh, interviews, to be able to have the the receiver maybe on your body and just put a la- your own lav mic in there, and then have your guest have the other transmitter. And that's pretty cheap, especially since the one that you're just talking about, the Audio Technica. Uh, you said it was three hundred dollars. It's actually three eighty nine. Oh, has it jumped up in price again? Uh, at least that's what's showing on Amazon right now. So, holy cow! Um, 
Yeah, and I actually I had to verify myself because I when I saw it at three hundred, I was like, wait a minute, that's wrong. I paid two hundred dollars for this, and right? it was at two hundred for some reason. Maybe it wasn't selling at that point, or they had overstock. <laughs> then it jumps all the way up to three hundred, and now three eighty nine. UHF. I'm going to tell you guys personally, as a filmmaker for many years. I prefer a UHF system as a solid backbone for my audio kit. Uh, it, it's got good transmitting range. It's fairly diverse. You usually end up with 90 or so channels to choose from in uh, 10, 10K increments. And it does a really good job in most cases. Where Wi-Fi wins is if you are in a super saturated UHF area, say for example, there's a news station there covering some sort of trial, and you have like 15 people using Wi-Fi or wireless UHF systems. Then Wi-Fi might win over, but in general, UHF is preferable. And the transmitting range on this, I was able to get over 400 feet from wow. the from the receiver. Uh, the other interesting thing is that unlike uh, some of the other units that have their own power control system, which means they control how much power the transmitter is outputting in order to get back to the receiver. This actually, and I don't know if this is legal, actually. Um, it might not be legal. Uh, the FCC requirements say that you're supposed to uh, allow for minimum power except when necessary. So you're, you're supposed to broadcast at the lowest power possible before eye closure. And eye closure is when the signal goes away and you, your receiver is no longer capturing the signal. Uh, but this allows you to just simply dial up to maximum transmit power and go quite a ways, which I don't know if it's not illegal per se, but it's a little on the questionable side in terms of uh, being a good... Uh, citizen of the UHF band. Uh, on the downside, though, this is in the 600 megahertz range. And if you're not familiar with the 600 megahertz range, uh, the FCC has tried to sell it off for the last four years uh, to huh. both cell phone providers and so on. So keep that in mind if you're going to invest a bunch of money in this. Uh, on the other hand, it, every time I think that they're going to sell it off, they haven't. So <laughs> 270 for a kit uh, is pretty reasonable. Yeah. Uh, the other thing to mention on this guy is battery life is a little rough. Uh, getting two to three hours, two hours pretty solid at the maximum transmitting strength. If you reduce the transmitting strength down to the lowest setting and only use a single receiver channel, uh, you can get three or four hours out of it, but still not quite as good as my G3s from Sennheiser. Uh, do, I, do I need a little screwdriver to change the setting? No, you don't. But <laughs> that's the other weird thing. So some of the settings, like the frequency uh, change for the the transmitter, is done by IR Blaster. What? Yeah, so you actually, if you, uh, let me show the picture again so you can see this. It's really sort of weird. What? You, you, you got to point them at each other? Yeah, one of these right here. Uh, these little two dots. One is the power indicator, and one is the IR receiver. So this guy actually will start flashing, and this guy will receive the information via IR to frequency hop. So if you need to set the frequencies for these, uh, with some of the new units, um, I believe uh, Sennheiser and, uh, well, I don't, not Aston. Aston hasn't moved into that yet, but uh, Sure. The Sure units and the... Sennheiser units both have a f new frequency hopping ability where they send a, f a frequency to the receiver right. and they change when they sense interference. Uh, this guy, you lock in whatever frequency you're using and you lock it in with the transmitter by changing via IR blaster, which is a bizarre choice to me. Uh, yeah. But it's not something that I would put into the don't buy category because this is so affordable and it's all metal. Uh, under three hundred dollars, a wireless kit that's all metal is is pretty nice. I, yeah, it's not just pretty nice; it's really nice. Even a used Sennheiser G two or G three unit, you're looking at four to four to six hundred dollars. So, uh, really impressed with the ceremonic. Now, something I'm not impressed with <laughs> is uh -oh. this. Finally, uh, we've talked about this. I, I think we briefly talked about this. Uh, a few shows ago, maybe yep. eight or ten shows ago, the Juice Link Darling was announced in 2014, 
and has yet to see the light of day up until now. And I prematurely put it's finally for sale, but it's not finally for sale. It's finally for pre-order. Uh, <laughs> this device, if you're not familiar with it, is the Juice Link Darling. And the little darling is capable of receiving lock signal information for a band of many of these. You can put 10, 12 of them together. And they all are basically just independent field recorders with a locked timing tone that goes across each of them uh, when you push a button. And so you're sending out a signal to all these saying like, hey, I'm starting now. Here's my slate. And they all get a beep or a tone at the same time. And then they all individually record. You get all your memory cards out of all three of these guys or four of these guys or however many you're using. And then you put them in your computer and you use that tone that's generated when you press the start record to slate these all together. Uh, It's not wireless in terms of audio going back to your camera. It's not wireless in terms of anything other than the slate tone being activated uh, simultaneously. This is a weird device. Yeah. And it's $200 a pop. We've just talked about two other LAV kits that were around $300, now $389 apparently. Uh, these guys, what do you think, Mitch? I mean, is it, have they waited too long for this? <laughs> Robert, uh, sorry, bud. I'm not sure I understand the usage of this or the pricing for sure. Robert's the guy that owns Juice Link. Yeah, and so. he's a super nice guy, uh, by the way. Yeah, he is. Like Robert a lot. Um, so, so my understanding, and, and, and I apologize because I didn't spend a lot of time reading this one, but the base or the, the main unit's $265. You got to buy that one first, right? Yes. And then, then all the other units are, are 199 $199. Uh, but he's also got a, a volume discount listed here that if you buy eight, you can get 25% off. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, it, it's, it goes up. I mean, if you buy just two, it's 5% and then it's 10% for three or something. So, um, I, I like the concept, but again, with, I don't mean to always be plugging road here, but if you, if you want to do something like this, their solution is an interesting one as well, because they have the, and I don't, I apologize. I don't know why I'm not coming up with the name. They have a lav mic that plugs right into a, a smartphone. What's it called? It's like 60 bucks. Yeah. The, uh, I know what you're talking about. It, it's the, the road mic with the adapter that goes into yeah. either your iPhone has right. an app that records internally. Right. So, so you have the app on your phone and you could put one on your groom and one on the bride somewhere um and i mean technically you could distribute lots of those now obviously you everybody would have to have their own smartphone and you have to install software on there but it is a lot cheaper to have multiple 60 dollars microphones than multiple 200 dollars units uh but i don't know this there's there's a solution here I mean, this is a solution for a problem, right? Where multiple recordings need to be made. But I'm Smart not, love I'm not sure. is the term we were trying to find. <laughs> ah, road's going to fire me. Um, but so if, if the price, if it, if it were 50 bucks per unit or something, it might be a really interesting option. But so, at $200 a pop. There are a few things that are fairly interesting about this. First of all, it does protective audio. So each individual unit is a stereo audio recorder. It records at one volume and at a lower volume. So you have protected audio tracks across the board. Uh, It is difficult when you get up to four or five people to mix audio into a single camera. And in those situations, you know, something like this could be an option, but in general, I would go something go with something like the Z16 or Z24 from Zoom, and those are eight-channel recorders that also have a single 3.5-millimeter uh, output back to your camera. And in those cases, you have all your audio recorded 
on the camera and you have all the individual tracks if you need to do any adjustments. Plus, you have a sound guy mixing, uh, uh, you know, live sound. Because really, when you get to that number where the volume number eight or ten buys, you're probably going to have a dedicated sound guy. You're going to have dedicated sound audio. You're not going to be doing... Uh, something like this, and then imagine the post work that's involved in this, uh, bringing in, you know, six or seven different audio tracks, syncing them all together, and dropping them into your timeline. And uh, I don't know, it it doesn't seem like a, a very convenient method of workflow at this price. Now, fifty dollars, like you mentioned, fifty dollars, I could say, hey man, why don't you use this? Take right. one of these, but at two or three hundred dollars, you know, most people probably aren't going to need that many tracks, and if they do, they're going to probably advance in a different direction. So, sorry, Juice Link. Well, well I mean, technically, I mean, let's go back and think about it. The Zoom H1 is a decent little recorder that you can put in people's pockets for a hundred bucks. True. Um, and it has loft power built in. Right. So so you're getting ready to record and you say, all right, let's let's clap, right? Or something. Yep. I mean, is is the only other than the that's not protected audio, like you're mentioning with the two different levels, right? The yeah. zoom doesn't have protected audio. Uh I don't know. I'd be interesting to have Robert on and talk about that or something. I, he's a great guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's yeah, he, and, he obviously sees a need that some people have, and his solution he thinks is better than anything else. But I don't know. I actually sure. met with him in 2014 at NAB and talked to him about a wireless setup, and I was trying to talk him into implementing Wi-Fi into his units back then because at the time uh, a Chinese company had just released a really cheap chipset that was around like eighty dollars or seventy dollars that was capable of transmitting and receiving audio and the, the chipset you could implement pretty easily. They had pre-designed specs and everything. And Robert, he said, no, I want this to be made in the United States at my factory. You know, I want this to be done a certain way and I don't want it to, to use this, this other chipset that I don't, you know, I'm not familiar with. And then he, he told me about this and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. And then I didn't even think about it for a couple of years and now it's finally hitting the market. Right. It's just like, he is, he is a fanatic about audio and electronics. I mean, he knows every little detail. He probably knows more than you. Oh yeah, definitely. He spends <laughs> way more time in a spe- in front of a spectrometer checking audio circuits. And I will tell you, uh, juice links, audio amplifiers are very, very good. Uh, right. Robert spends a lot of time putting superior uh, chips into his systems and beats competitors like uh, Beach Tech in terms of XLR amplifiers. I've never been a fan of their tiny knobs. <laughs> never been a fan of the tiny knobs, but uh, Juice Link does make really good audio kit. And I'm, I would guess that all of these little darlings have great audio amplifiers Uh, built into them he's probably spent a ton of time analyzing the circuitry using uh, high-end precision capacitors and amplifiers that make this sound great that said uh, some people like myself have trouble hearing that great audio once it gets up to a certain frequency because i'm getting old my ears just aren't as good as they used to be and for a lot of people in general the things that i even complain about in lav kits aren't an issue for them because they don't think it, it sounds that bad. So I don't know. Maybe I, this is for the audio files. And speaking, there, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. I was just going to say it's, it, there's got to be a market for it or Robert wouldn't have spent the time doing it. Definitely. But it's just not us. I would love to hear from people that find a use for this uh, audio files, which was what I was about to roll into with my very last thing on the list here. And this is actually nothing to do with cameras, just something I thought was fun. I often complain about Kickstarter and Kickstarter has failed me in the past. This one has not, though. Uh, This is the Gramavox floating record Kickstarter. I put my money down on the barrel head uh, almost a year ago now, and it finally showed up pretty classy. Uh, record player. I think I paid three hundred dollars for this guy, or two 
fifty something like that. So fairly spendy, but uh, got it put together, tested it out. Sounds pretty good. Runs a little slow, not gonna lie. Uh, but what do you mean it runs slow? Well, uh, the thirty-three speed isn't quite up to the RPMs required, so you do get a little bit of a pitch shift downward in your audio. Can you not adjust it? Uh, no, it's not adjustable. Huh. So why would, on God's green earth, would anybody want their old LPs or new LPs, vinyl, vertical versus laying flat on the table? What's the bonus? Uh, it's classy. Oh. There's there is no, no bonus. There is no audio sexual bonus for, I don't know. No, really. Make the sound better. If you're a, a big audiophile, I used to have a Slate record player, which is a very heavy-based record player that lays flat. And the idea being that it takes all the vibration and so on out of the the record and the spinning mechanism. And then there's the arguments for direct drive versus bell drive and all the other things that go along with that. Uh, this doesn't have a lot of the things that people hold up as being a perfect record player. Uh, it does have a heavy bass, but it's screwing it sideways. The needle doesn't have downward force on it, so it has to have a spring tensioner in order to apply force. It just looks cool. That's okay. about it, really. <laughs> you pay the money for a record player that looks cool. It brings the sort of classy, old-school look um, of some of the designs that you used to see in the, the 40s and 50s, uh, that sort of like retro, modern right. look. Uh, not camera-related at all. Are those speakers on the side? Yes, they are. So it has an amplifier built in? It does. And it's fairly loud, and it sounds pretty good. Huh. It, it, it's $400 if you really want to buy one now after the Kickstarter program is over. I was just happy that it actually showed up. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> quality is, <laughs> is decent. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's no way to adjust the speed. A few people have been having issues with uh, the belts not showing up in the package. Uh, also, there's a whole slew. If you're a part of the Kickstarter, you can go read the spreadsheet of complaints that people want fixed on theirs. Uh, mine came out pretty good. I, I, I have records, so you know the first thing I did was grab an old uh, uh, Louis Prima album and put it on there, and then some Louis Armstrong and played some of that. So it does 45s as well. It does, but you have to change the belt in order to do 45s. Oh, my stars. Really? Yes. So, so obviously it doesn't do 78s. No. No. Just 33s and 45s. So wow. That's all you're stuck that's with. That's pretty cool. I'm, I'm impressed, DJ. I'm, I'm, I like it. I'm glad you brought it up because... It I mean, looks if, nice, if, right? I mean, yeah, if, I... If, if you had a nice, clean room and, and we're sitting around playing music, that would be pretty cool. Well, and a lot of people have combined this with a Sonos bridge so that they can have the speaker playing in one room and then also bridge that audio out to their Sonos system across the house. Uh, pretty classy. I'm planning on installing this. I have a large shelf where I can make the cables all disappear and just have yeah. the one record player sitting there uh, as a nice centerpiece in my living room. Is it practical? N not at all. And <laughs> I was making fun of myself on Twitter the other day. You know, I showed a picture of this and said, hey, maybe I really do need a pen F to go along with my <laughs> freaking record player. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Okay. <laughs> oh, one last mention. I wanted to bring this up one more time. Cinesummit is March 1st and 2nd. If uh, you want to check out the 10 directors for free, uh, go out there today. That's dslrfilmnoob.com slash cinesummit, and you can find out how to get ready to check out the March 1st and 2nd showings. That's 10 directors, lots of information, so be sure to look into that. Uh, Mitch, you have anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, it's great talking to you, DJ. I am Always impressed at how much knowledge you have up in that little noggin of yours. It's all over the place, man. Today has just been all over the place. Our tongues don't work, but hey, we had fun, right? I actually missed you last <laughs> week. You know, these talks in the morning, uh, Mitch is a great guy. Before show, we kind of banter back and forth, and I always have fun talking to him. So <laughs> thanks, Mitch, for showing up. You can find Mitch where? PlanetMitch.com or Planet5D.com. And if my sound effects were working on my 
Mac. I don't know. But you would hear great sound effects there. But And, of course, guys, you can find me, DJ, at DSLRFilmNoob.com, on Twitter, at DSLRFilmNoob, on YouTube, One Lone Dork, and you can find this podcast anywhere audio podcasts are distributed, including SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks Rate again us. for... Yes, Rate make sure us. you write a review. <laughs> and uh, leave your comments and questions in the in the YouTube post. The, that's a great place for me to dig those up and find them and answer. Oh, one last thing before we go, and I, I forgot Uh-oh. I was going to answer this question. Uh, a number of you have asked about my audio setup for the podcast. The audio setup is a Rode VideoMic Pro. Again, Rode's not a sponsor, but I do have a lot of Rode products. So uh, Wait. Oh, your vi- you, that's my not a VideoMic Pod- Pro. Or no, not Video Mike Pro. Thank you. The Podcaster <laughs> Pro, the Tascam DR70D audio recorder uh, that is fed from this microphone right here. This is a Stedman pop filter, one of the best pop filters on the market. And uh, that all goes into a Lexicon Alpha USB audio adapter. And I believe you're using the, the lower model of the Procaster, correct? The USB it's called, version? It's called, yes, the USB. It's called the Padcaster. No, the that's not right. Padcaster? Uh, oh, <laughs> that's I, a thing that you <laughs> hold up your iPad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. I believe both of them are called the Procaster, and one is the USB version, and one is the non-USB version. Mine is the XLR version. Uh, very heavy, great mic. I've also got the arm that goes along with that. So... If you're wondering what we use for the podcast, that's what we use. And, of course, this is MPC-1000 for our samples. Um, Mitch uses his sometimes working Mac effects. But uh, that's, that's it. Oh, my God. All right. We'll see you next time on another exciting episode of DSLR Film Noob Podcast. Some days we rock. Some days we just roll.